0: My songs for you my songs for you and nothing else will do nothing else will do good morning you guys doing well good to have you with us welcome to the Desert Breeze community church if you have your bibles you can turn to psalm 19 well, i mean i'm sorry 119 119 In fact, it's probably right in the middle of your Bible. If you just open up your Bible, right in the middle. It's the largest chapter in the Bible. And guess what this largest chapter in the Bible is all about? The Bible. About God's Word. It's a wonderful uh, um, text. And in fact, I'm going to read the whole thing this morning. It is 167, no, 76, 176 verses. It'll take us 20 minutes You guys aren't very excited. Yes. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm only going to read uh, 24 verses, but it kind of sets the tone for it. It's, It's a beautiful text about God's Word. And as we've been saying throughout this series, there's no greater prescription for what ails our soul than deep communion with God. It's what the book of Psalms is all about. We've spent most of the summer in the book of Psalms. And deep communion with God happens best through prayer before the throne of God and meditation on the Word of God. Prayer and Bible study. Prayer and Bible study. And I will, if you're like most people, if you're like most Christians, you probably struggle with prayer and Bible study. Uh, some of you are shaking your heads. Yeah, yep, that's a struggle. If you're like most, you struggle having that time alone with God. In fact, I read a stat uh, last couple of weeks. I can't remember where I got this, but I don't think they're too far off. And this is what it said, is that the average Christian spends 15 minutes a day in the Bible and four hours in TV a day. Fifteen minutes in the Bible, four hours watching TV a day. So here's my question for you. For a pastor, that brings a lot of turmoil to me. I mean, I'm thinking, what? You've got to be kidding. And, and I've, there's certainly been times in my life where I have struggled. You would hope that as a pastor I, I wouldn't struggle in that area. And actually, I don't. In fact, my wife has to drag me away from this. Seriously. And it's, that's good for you. Because... Uh, I'm well-read and studied, and, but, but see, my, my job is to get you to get to that place. And so my question for you is, why would that be the case? Why would there be just 15 minutes a day of Bible study in God's Word and four hours, four hours a day you know, watching TV? Or maybe it's not TV for you. Maybe it's video games. Or maybe it's uh, the screen, the Internet, Surfing the Internet, or it could be any number of things. Why, why would that be the case? I asked my brother-in-law a number of years ago. it has been probably about 25 years ago. He kind of stunned me a bit with his, with his answer to that question. And because I asked him, I said, why is it that people struggle with this in their life? Why is it such a struggle? Why is it a struggle to come to church regularly? Why is it a struggle to have that daily personal time alone with God? And he answered very quickly. And he said, it's because people don't value it. And I said, no, 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 wait. People value it. People tell me, yeah, they, God's, God's number one. Hey, God's, God's real important to them. No, they value it. And he goes, no, they don't. They might say they value it, and it might be a said faith. It might be uh, uh, pretense because they want other people to think that, yeah, okay, that's important because I know that it's supposed to be important, so I'm telling you that it's important. But if you were to really look at their life. Their, their life, their actions speak louder than their what? Than their words. So, so as I thought about this, and so what I want to do is I want to stir your heart for God. And I know that getting you to get into the book is, you don't do it by kind of beating people up. I mean, that's not how I got into God's Word, was because someone chastised me or beat me up. But, but I do want to draw that to your attention. Do you really value this book? Do you really understand what this book is about? Because, because it kind of goes along with faith, and it goes along with, with our value system. The things we value, we, we prioritize, and the things we prioritize, we practice. So just look at your practices, and it'll tell you a lot about your priorities, and your priorities tell you about the things that you really value. No matter what you say, look at your practices. Look at what you spend your time and energy and money on effortlessly, and it'll tell you a lot about what your values are, regardless of what you say. And... uh And that certainly can be convicting for me too because there's aspects of my life too where I'll I'll spend too much time doing certain things and then I have to look and go, why am I doing that? And I have to look at my values. So we're going to look at our values this morning. We're going to take a look, serious look at our values and we're going to look at our faith. Because see, this is what faith... Faith is more than just an agreement with facts in the head. It's an appetite for God in your heart that moves you to action. If you have this strong, ferocious appetite for God it's going to change the way you do life. It's going to change the way uh, the things that you value because you're going to value the things that he values. And it's also, uh, you're going to prioritize the things that he prioritizes and then you're going to have the practices in your life that would be consistent with what, what the Bible teaches. Um, see, faith, faith involves three things. Faith is uh, information or truth entering the head igniting the heart, and then outworking through the hand. So it really involves all those things. So you may say that you believe in God, but what are those things that you do believe about God? And do those things stir up appetite within your heart for God? If they don't, then you really don't know the real God or the God of the Bible. And then how does that move you to action to change how you are living that out? And so I believe the cure to apathy towards God's word is an appetite for God, for the God of that word. Nothing overcomes apathy for the word of God like an appetite for the God of that word. You guys tracking with me? Would you guys agree with that? So I would have to say that if it's not really a value, it's probably because you just have a real low appetite. And maybe you've spoiled your appetite on a lot of the things of this world. So my job is to try to stir that up within you, week in and week out. When you guys come in here, my job is to try to stir that up within you. And in fact, I'm convinced of this, that the more you are overwhelmed by the relentless love of God, His love is unbelievably relentless towards you. And the more you begin to see that and savor that and enjoy that, the more you are overwhelmed by the relentless love of God for you, the more you will be relentless in your love for him and his word that's it stand for closing prayer it's not that easy because we're going to look at this text because he's going to help us so this text is going to help us to think feel and do how should i think about god's word how should i feel about God's word and then what should I do so we're going to get all the way back to that values what are the values what's important to me how should I how should I view this book God's word how should I feel about it and then that's what's going to move us into action and if you're not moving into action you go back to thinking and feeling you think go back and say okay well how am I supposed to think about this because that's what moves us into action and begins to change our values so that's where we're headed this morning it is certainly great to have you here and so would you bow your heads with me take a moment and uh Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into this text. Father God, you have chosen to reveal yourself mainly through the incarnate Word, the personified Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, by means of the printed Word, the Bible. And God, you have ordained that the mind-informing work of your Word be combined with the eye-opening work of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of your Word. Help us to see that studying your Word will bring us more joy than anything that could lure us from it, because it brings us, the study of your Word brings us to a greater level of intimacy with you, our exceeding joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So let's read the text. I'll try not to comment too much. You know, sometimes as I'm reading through, things pop out to me. And as I've studied this, I've been meditating on this text for the last week. Oh my goodness, it is rich. And so we'll read through uh, the first 24 verses. As I said, there's 176. Is that what it is? 176 verses. But this will kind of set the theme. And this is what I want you to look for. As you're reading... Sometimes I'll read with a pencil in my hand and I'll circle key words. So I want you to look for in this text what is the psalmist feeling? Or let's start with thinking. What is he thinking about God's word? What is he feeling? And by the way, he's going to use different terms to represent different ways of saying God's Word, like testimonies and your ways and precepts. And so that will be kind of a clue to us. He's telling us different things about God's Word. That's how we're to think about God's Word. And then he's going to talk about his feelings towards God's Word. And then he's going to talk about his actions. So it's going to cover all three of those areas. So let me let me read here, starting at uh, chapter one, one nine, one nineteen, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. The word blessed means total fulfillment and complete well-being. Whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. It's one of the ways that he refers to it, the law of the Lord. We'll talk about that. Blessed, there's the word again, are those who keep his testimonies. Another way that he refers to God's word, testimonies. Who seek him, and you're going to see this about three or four times, who seek him with their whole heart. The word heart means mind, Emotion, will, but it goes even much deeper. It goes into our values, our treasure, that you would treasure God, that you would fill your mind with the beauty and the value of who God is. That's what he's talking about here. Who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. So, so with their whole heart, they want to be consumed by God's word. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, then I shall not be put to shame. The word shame, the opposite of shame, would be acceptance, significance, and security. Have this overwhelming sense of, wow, I know that he accepts me, he loves me, I'm secure in his arms, and I'm significant. My significance doesn't come from what I have or what I... Uh, what I achieve or accomplish, it's found in him. That's the opposite of shame. I will not, he says, I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments. And by the way, when he talks about these words, commandments and your ways, he's, it, this is actually talking about interaction with God. So, you know, let's take it a step further. It's just not reading some words on a page. This is interacting with the creator and the sustainer of the heavens and the earth. Verse 7 I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. So now he refers to them as righteous, righteous rules. Verse 8 I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, there's that again, my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. This is a great verse here. This is a great memory verse. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If if you were diagnosed with a terminal disease and the doctor said, but we have found a cure. If you take this pill every day, it will cure you. You will be healthy and stay alive. But you said, ah, the pill's too big and it's a pain and I forget and, ah... We have a terminal disease. It's called sin. Sin. The essence of sin is is self-absorption. It's to make we want life to be all about us. And the opposite of sin is is would be to live for God's glory, not to live for our glory, glory but to live for God's glory. And it's God's word that keeps us on track. The scriptures are meant to redirect our wandering hearts to their true destination and most satisfying delight, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not get get off track. I'll keep you at the center of my life. And I find my deepest delight in you. I won't substitute you for anything in this world. That's That's the idea. And that's the cure. And then he says, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. So he's even, he knows, he knows God's word enough to, where he can tell people about God's word. And then in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I've never been wealthier than when I've known your word. We'll come back to that later on. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Now, this next verse is a wonderful verse. I pray this regularly, consistently. Every weekend, I was praying it all night for us here this morning. And this is what you have to pray when you study God's Word. If you've studied God's Word, you go, "Ah, oh, man, I didn't get anything out of it again. Uh, I'm just going to put it down. What's the use? You need to pray this. Open open my eyes, and I may behold wonderful things out of your law. There are breathtaking things in God's Word. But guess what? You've got to have eyes to see. The Pharisees had eyes, but they didn't have spiritual eyes to see that this is the Messiah. So you can come to church week in and week out and have physical eyes and ears. But if you don't have spiritual eyes and ears, you're not going to see the wonderful things that are in God's word. Even this morning as you sit there, you've got to cry out and say, God, open my eyes. Let me see the beauty and the glory of what this guy is talking about. Because right now I don't see you. See, that's a great prayer. I am a sojourner on earth hide not your commandments from me my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times you rebuke the insolent accursed ones who wander from your commandments take away from me scorn and contempt for i have kept your testimonies even though princes sit plotting against me your spirit your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Okay, so here we go. How should I think about God's word? And then we'll talk about how we should feel and then what should we do. So how should I think about God's word? You guys ready? You guys still with me? I mean, that text in itself is just enough to to nourish you. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear But if not, maybe before we're finished today, you'll begin to see the beauty and the glory of Christ and hear His voice unlike ever before. That's my prayer. This section of Scripture, uh, well, in this section, Scripture is given at least nine different names. So Let's walk through those nine different names. In verse 9, it says, Your Word. Verse 7, Righteous Laws. This is what it teaches us. It teaches us the inspiration and infallibility of the Bible. Just in those words reference to uh, God's, God's Word, the Bible. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit, whatever the human authors wrote was exactly what God wanted them to write. That's inspiration. So God used the personalities, individual personalities that wrote these down, but they wrote what He wanted them to write down. It's called inspiration. And because it comes from God, whatever it asserts, is true and not capable of error. If this is truly God's word, it's not capable of error. It's infallible. So it's inspired. It's infallible. If you still have your Bibles open, keep them open because I'm going to refer back to various verses. Verse 13, notice what it says here. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Basically he's saying all scripture comes from the very mouth of God. This is from the mouth of your creator. It's amazing. I mean, just think about that thought just for a moment. These are the words of God. So that's how we should be thinking. Inspiration and Here's the next one. Verse 1, law. Verse 5, decrees. Verse 6, commands. This is, teaches us the supreme binding authority of the Bible. So God has the right to give us orders. All Scripture is authoritative a standard for life and living. I mean, it makes sense. He's our creator. And so in his wisdom and love, knowing how he created us, knowing our weaknesses and strengths, he's going to give us guidelines for how he wants us to live. It just makes sense. So this is, this is speaking when he says law, when he speaks of decrees, when he speaks of commands, he's saying, hey, this is how I want you to live. This is the best way to live. If you live any other way, you're trampling on my love and wisdom for you. That's, that's the, in essence, what those words mean to us. So whatever God's word asserts must be followed regardless of, of your emotional state, popular custom, even expert opinion. Now, oftentimes people will argue. I say, well, he's saying law here. Doesn't that just refer to the law portion of the Bible? Well, not no, it doesn't. Actually, when he's referring to law, it speaks of the whole of Scripture. In fact, even Jesus, in John 15, 25, in the New Testament, we have an example of Jesus quoting the Psalms and calling it the law. And all he's meaning by that is that it's authoritative. It's the standard for life and living. So, so when we read these words, these words have meaning. And so we've got inspiration, infallibility, authority for life and living... And then the next words, statutes. Verse 2, he says, statutes. And then verse 4, precepts. And this teaches the sufficiency of the Bible. Where do you think... What word do we get from the word statutes? Anybody want to yell it out to me? Statue. You know, we get the word statue from the word statutes. Why is that? See, the English word statutes is closely related to the word statue. Just as a statue is essentially a permanent art form that lasts through the ages... So when he says statues, these scriptures have timeless relevance, like a statue. Stand forever. And so the word precepts means complete wisdom for living. So those two words together mean this. The Bible is wisdom for living that lasts through the ages. This gives you counsel on your singleness, how to live out your single life or married life or parenting or finances or work or worship or play. covers every dimension of our lives, gives us wisdom for our lives for all of time, statutes. And then the next one, verse 3, his ways and promise, verse 11, his promise, teach the message and the purpose of, of the Bible, so we got inspiration, infallibility. We've got uh, authority. We've got sufficiency, meeting and speaking to all of our needs through all ages. And now we've got the basic message and the purpose. What is the basic message? His ways basically tells us that Scripture is an expression of God's own nature, heart, and attributes. So scripture is primarily a means of a relationship with God. When he uses the word his ways, his ways, it gives you opportunity to get to know God. And then promise means God binds himself to save us. And there are thousands and thousands of promises that God has made to us. What, what are some promises that come to mind real quick to you guys? Never leave you or forsake you. How many of you say that's really, really a good promise? Oh, my goodness. And, of course, we know that he's backed that up with his blood, his shed blood. And so that's, that's pretty significant. But he's got thousands of promises like that, that meet all of our needs, that take care of us. And so do this with me, uh, if you would, please. We did this uh, back during our Ignite series. And let's just see if you remember when we did that series. We were talking about God's Word. And uh, is the Bible uh, uh, mainly, is the message of the Bible mainly about man's, don't yell it out, some of you already know, is it man's pursuit of God or God's pursuit of man? Which one is that? Turn to the person next to you and see if they remember that back then or if they even know that real quick. Okay, how many, uh, yell it out to me. What do you guys think? Is it God's pursuit of man or man's pursuit of? God's pursuit of man. So, So what difference, so that makes all the difference in the world in how you read it. So if you're reading this like this is man's pursuit of, of God, it's like okay, how am I gonna how am I gonna reach God? How can I do more so that I can somehow you know have God's approval? It's not that. Here's what it is. I wrote it down. The main message or purpose of the Bible is not man's pursuit of God, but God's pursuit of man. It is not about what you must do to be right with God, but it's about what God it's about what God has done to make us right with him. Oh my goodness. It's called grace. This whole book. He's pursuing you. He loves you. You have offended a holy, righteous God, and yet He died for you to rescue you. This book is a rescue. He's coming to rescue us. He loves us. And then that begins to change everything about us. So when you read this book, you don't read it as some sort of a how to manual, how I can appease God. You have his approval through Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. That's unbelievable. My heart is smitten by the beauty of that. It's just amazing. That's why I like Sally Lloyd-Jones and the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's the Jesus Storybook Bible for children. That's the Bible I read from all the time. Actually, it's not a bad book. I mean, it's really good. But this is what she says. This is really good. This, and you, you heard me say this back during the Ignite series when we talked about this. He says, the Bible isn't a book of rules or heroes as much as it's a, a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace to rescue the one he loves. Who's the brave prince? Jesus. Where's his palace? heaven. Who did he come to rescue? You and I. Oh my goodness. I mean, so so that's, that's what should stir up our heart to want to get into his word. See, that's the reality. So that's how we should think. So we got inspiration. I mean, these are the very words of God. And authority speaks to every area of our lives through all ages. You don't have to stumble through the dark. He gives us light. God's word is a lamp to our feet and light to our path. That's in Psalm 119, 119. That's. And and also, not only that, it's this that these it's sufficient for all of life, and then it teaches us that He came to rescue me. And He took He takes the initiative. He pursues me. He pursues me with His love. It's His love that awakens my love in response. So if my heart's cold, the cure is that I come and pound on you and say, come on, you know better. You ought to, no, no, no. Don't you see his love? Let me tell you about his love. Because our hearts grow cold because we just don't know about his love. So the more you get to know him, the more you love him and the more you want to know of him and walk with him and enjoy him and experience him. See, that's grace. That's the understanding of grace. Why would you want anything other than him? doesn't make sense. This is the creator who wants to be a part of our life. He's given his life for us. And so that's, that should be the thing that drives our hearts. So how should I feel? Well, look at the different words that he uses here. And I'm going to go throughout the chapter. But the first, there's a couple words here, delight. This means display jubilant joy as one who finds great riches. Let me read verse 14. We read it. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. And then I, I gave you the other verses in this same chapter where it talks about riches and actually about delight. And he uses this word over and over again. You can see how many times he uses this word delight. Delight. <laughs> display jubilant joy as one who finds great riches. So let me ask you this. How would you respond if you had a long-lost relative that had just recently passed away and left you 100 million dollars? How would you respond? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going back to work. I'm going to call in sick from now on. I mean, I just I mean that's what you would do, wouldn't you? It's like oh! This is awesome. That's, what, that's the attitude you should have towards God's word. If you understood the wealth that you have in God's word. That's what he's saying. That's that jubilant joy. When he says delight, that's what he's talking about. Wow. Like, like having all the money in the world. And then the next word he uses is longing. My soul is going to die if I don't hear from God. In fact, let me read that verse. It's verse 20 again. He says, uh, my soul is consumed with longing. For your rules at all times. Oh, there's a longing. Actually, the NS, uh, NAS New American Standard puts, "My soul is crushed with longing." It's almost like uh, he's uh, he's saying, "I'm going to die if I don't hear from you." I don't know if you've ever been in those times in your life. It's like, oh my goodness, it's a crisis after crisis, and difficulty after difficulty, and the strain of work, the strain of parenting, the strain of strain of life, and you go, "Oh God, I need." to hear from you. If I don't hear from you, I'm going to die. That's what he's saying. I long. God, just a few words from you. Just a couple words from you. And I know that I can face anything. See, that's, that's the attitude he's got here. So what he's saying is this communicates a sense of hunger and thirst, showing us that the Bible is not just a source of joy and satisfaction, but also strength. And then he uses the word love. Verses 47 and 48, as we kind of work through the rest of the text, we didn't read this, but let me read verse 47 and 48. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift my hands towards your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Ah, I love, and that speaks of just a deep affection for God's word. And you can see how many times he uses that word love. I told you the story uh, back in our Ignite series because we talked about God's word. So this is kind of a a reminder of some of that. But I talked about the, the love letters that Nancy sent me in the summer of 77. It was in that, that fall that we got married, and she sent me some letters. So we'd been together, and then she moved back to Houston for a while, and she sent me some letters. I sent her letters. That was back during, you know, before Internet. It was uh, before... Uh, anybody remember that far back? Okay. Uh, yeah, it almost feels like it's always been there, but it hasn't. And that was before Internet, and then we had... Uh, we didn't even have cell phones. In fact, you had have to call on the phone, and it cost like $500 a second. I mean, it cost a fortune. You got, anybody remember those days when it cost a fortune? And so I didn't have $500 a second to, to spend. You know, I loved her, but I didn't have the money. I wanted to put it on a credit card. And so from time to time, you know, we would call, but she would send these letters. I would send her letters. And, and imagine if she sent me these letters and I just kind of let them stack up and I didn't open them up. And then she calls and says, so did you get my letters? I go, uh, yeah, yeah, I got your letters. Did, uh, did you read them? you know what? I just really didn't have much time. And you're just going to say the same old stuff that you always say, like I'm one hunk of a handsome guy (laughs) and what a wonderful person I am and all that. And, you know, I've heard that all before. I mean, what would you think? What would she think? She'd think, you don't care, do you? Do we have any kind of relationship? You don't even really care to hear from me, do you? Because she would tell me a little bit about what she's been doing and about her life and, and all those things and she would tell me about her ways as God's word tells us of his ways and so, so if we don't have a love for God's word and want to spend time with him and interact with him we're probably not going to pick this up. It's, it's like we're going to pile up these letters and not open them. This is a love letter from God to us. And then he uses the language sweet. Look at... Uh, Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The only sweeteners that they had in those days was honey. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, what is their favorite dessert? Okay, what's your favorite dessert? Because this is what he's saying here in this text. He's saying, your word is like my favorite dessert. You could almost paraphrase it and say, hey, your word is like my, what's your favorite dessert out there? Hot Fun Sunday. I heard Hot Fun Sunday. Yeah, I like that. What, what, somebody said something about pie over here. Pecan pie. Yeah. Pecan pie. My wife made Neiman Marcus brownies this last week for our elder meeting. And we all overdosed. It was like, oh, oh, oh this will help the elder meeting go better. Oh. And it was, it was just good stuff. That's what he's saying. He's saying, your words are like my favorite dessert. And there are there are texts that I'll go back to. And I'll, just, uh, I'll just put them on the, kind of the palate of my spiritual tongue, so to speak, and just go, oh, you will never leave me or forsake me. Oh, my goodness, that is good. Oh, God, thank you. I'm, I've got this obstacle I'm facing right now, but, God, I know that you're with me, and your greatness is bigger than any trial I'm going to face. Oh, God, and your goodness is, is more attractive than any sin that would lure me away from you. See, that's, ah, that's good stuff. And then, notice this. I put this, tears, 136. He says that I have tears. Why would that bring, why sadness? 136 says, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Do you know why our our society is such a mess? Right there. And this should sadden us. Because people aren't living their life according to God's words. Because in his love and wisdom, he's established how, how we should live and how we can live and how we can we can interact with one another, and it's a great way to live, but he finds sadness. So, so let's sum this up, and then we'll knock out the next part. What is the ultimate object of life's greatest joy? What is the ultimate object of God's, uh, of life's greatest joy? Where are you going to find your greatest joy? Jesus. Okay, that's the right answer, but do you actually believe that? And where's the ultimate expression of Jesus? Where are we going to encounter Jesus the best? God's Word. God's Word. So it makes sense to me that if he's the, let me, let me say it, how I've got it written, the ultimate object of life's greatest joy and the ultimate revelation of God is God's word, then it just makes sense to me that I'm going to pursue Christ through his word. Does that make sense? I'm going to have this appetite and this passion to want to know him according to his word So if life's greatest joy is knowing Christ and knowing Christ happens best in prayerful study of God's word, then the more I study God's word, the more I'll find deep satisfaction in Christ and the more I find deep satisfaction in Christ, the more I'll study God's word. It just feeds it, feeds it. I mean, I spend 20, 30 hours a week just preparing for weekend service and that's a piece of cake for me. I so love this book, I love the author of this book. I am overwhelmed with his, there are times when I, we were singing that song earlier and if, if I can hurry up here, I'll get the band back up here and we'll sing that song again, Waiting for You. That's all. Oh, that song's a beautiful song. I'm waiting for you. When I study his word, I'm, I'm, I have that expectation of, of encountering him and knowing him and I, I, have, I encounter him through his word. He's given us this book so that we can know him. We can experience him. And uh, let me hit you. Let me give you a shot below the belt, just real quick. If God is not more glorious and more desirable than Facebook, football, or the Food Network, ow! Uh, None of those are bad. Those can all. I love football. I love Food Network sounds crazy, doesn't it? Like I'm going to learn something to, I'm going to, I can't cook a thing, okay? I eat them. It just makes me hungry when I say, honey, can you make that please for me now? If God is not more glorious and more desirable than food, Facebook, football, food network, you could add to whatever that, then you either haven't seen him Or it's been a while and your heart has grown cold. Um, So my job is to help you to get beyond that so that your heart wouldn't grow cold. I'm I'm telling you, he is. He is more glorious. He's more desirable than Facebook, football, Food Network. I know you get excited for, for your favorite teams in football, but that doesn't even, that pales in comparison to the excitement that you can have in Christ. You just haven't seen it. You don't have eyes and ears to see and hear. That's why the, the psalmist is praying, open my eyes so that I can see wonderful things in your word. And, um, and when I, I, I enjoy football like any guy out there. But uh, I'll tell you what, I also enjoy it in such a way that maybe a lot of guys don't enjoy it because I know that that's a, it's a gift from God and ultimately a pointer to, to God and the glory that's found in him that uh, it makes everything else kind of pale in comparison. It's just, it's just a, it's a shadow. So, so what do we do? Here we do. Here's what we've got to do. What should I do with God's Word? These are kind of the steps of life-changing Bible study. This is kind of how I work through the study. It takes a little more time when you do this. But the first thing, prayerfully depend on the Holy Spirit. We talked about that. Open my eyes that I may see glorious things. You see that in verses 12 and 18. He's asking God, God, show me your truth. Help me to see that. Apart from the Holy Spirit, a sinner cannot appreciate the Word of God. That's you and I, sinner. So a sinner cannot appreciate the Word of God any more than a blind person can admire a sunset. So we are desperate for him to open our our eyes and our ears. Suppose you were blind and lived on the Grand Canyon and because of the lip-smacking conversations you overheard of people enjoying the glory of the Grand Canyon, you longed to see its glory so you you prayed for God to open your blind eyes and God responded by promising to show you the glory of the Grand Canyon. Now, here's the question. Would it make sense for you to leave the Grand Canyon and move to Texas? It would never make sense to move to Texas. Okay, I'm kidding. If you're from Texas, my apologies. My wife's from Texas. That's the reason why I said that. But uh, no, uh, No, it wouldn't. Nor does it make sense to pray for God to open your blind eyes to see the glory of Christ and totally avoid opening up the Word of God. You can pray and ask God to open your eyes, but if you don't open up the book... If you're not seeing the glory of Christ in Bible study, you're certainly not going to see the glory of Christ any clearer by not studying the Bible. track with me? So you start by praying that you open up the book and you keep persevering and you keep studying. By the way, we give you growing notes. We have groups, small groups. We've got a small group leader up here that they go through the growing notes all the time. I know a number of, they go through the growing notes. You just go through the growing notes. I give you, I lay it out for you. I ask you questions. Listen to the message over and over again throughout the week. I know people that listen to it several times over and over. Just to get it down into their heart. God, I didn't get it the first go around. In fact, I'll guarantee you, you listen, listen, uh, to the message a few times. There'll be things that will pop out to you the second or third time through that you never even saw that God will begin to speak to you in very significant ways. Same thing with studying this. As I meditated on this, it took me most of the day just as I was digging this out for God to really speak to me clear. It took me most of the day on Monday as I study. That's my study day. Just just digging and digging and digging and searching and looking and saying, God, open my eyes. I'm not, I don't see anything right right now. What is going on? I I got a message to do, God. Don't you know that? I got to get going here. And so, prayerfully depend on the Holy Spirit. Here's the the next one. Uh, first, study, analyze, memorize Scripture. So you go prayerfully depend on the Holy Spirit to first study, analyze, and memorize Scripture. And then we'll go. These are kind of all go together. The Psalmist says he will learn your righteous laws. And then he says, store up his word in my heart. So he's really talking about memorization. Let me tell you something a little bit about memorization. I memorize a lot of Scripture. and A lot of the Scriptures, I I quote them up here. Most of the time I'm not even looking. I don't even have them open to the text. And I quote them, and I'm, I'm telling you, that has been such a rich part of my life. I'm thankful for my mom who taught me early on in... Walked alongside of his kids and gave us a lot of memory verses. We did that with our kids. My kids can know a lot of verses, and I'm telling you, that's an arsenal you can pull on or rely on in times of trouble. That's what he's saying. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. When push comes to su- shove in your life, you have resources. So let me ask you this. And then he was able. To, and then you can declare. I've been at the hospital many times wanting to minister to people. And because I had memorized verses, those verses began to come to mind. The Holy Spirit began to bring those at their appropriate time in my life to minister to them. And it ministered to me because I had stored that up in my heart. So let me ask you this. If I offered you $1,000 for every verse you memorized in the next week, how many verses do you think you would memorize? I'd like to pay my house off. Woo-hoo! You know what? So think about that. If that would motivate you, it talks about your values a little bit, but the real value of God's word, yeah, it goes like, oh, you, that, that woke some of you up. It's like, whoa, thousand bucks, I can do it. Well, you don't know the value of God's word then. If, you, if, if it took money to get you to memorize the text, then you have no idea. The real value of God's word is far greater than a thousand dollars a verse. You just don't see it. Oh, I pray. Oh, I pray. Oh, I ask God that you would see it, that you would begin to see Him. If you could see, if you could get a glimpse of Him, if you could hear Him as He speaks to us through His word, this is for real. You have a God who created the heavens and the earth, and you can know him. You can experience him in your life. Oh, I pray. And I, I'm excited about going into this new building, but it, none of that matters. None of that matters if people don't see him and experience him. If people don't encounter Jesus, we're just wasting our time. If people don't know Jesus, we're wasting our time. All the big buildings, all the nice buildings mean nothing. That's my heart for you. That's the heart of this church. If you're new here, it's just like, that's us, man. We want you to know him. We just don't go, we don't come here and check the church box at this, at this church. It's not, let's get in and get out. We don't do that here, okay? You're not going to get in and get out. We hang in here for a little bit because we wait for him. We want to know him. We want to experience him. And, uh, And then meditate. We're going to talk more about that next week. Next week we're going to talk about Psalm uh, 103. We're going to actually talk about self-talk because you're talking to yourself even right now. As I'm talking to you, you're talking to yourself faster than I'm talking to you, okay? Believe it or not, we're going to try to get to the root of what you're talking to yourself about because you need to talk to yourself about the right stuff. Because you're talking to yourself about the wrong stuff. It's not going to go so well in your life. As a person thinks within himself, then so is he. It kind of sets the path in your life. So we'll talk about that next week. And then the next one here is that we take deep delight in our privileges. And I laid out all the privileges just in this chapter. Verse 25, life. Verse 28, strength. Verse 29, kept from false ways. Verse 32. 32. Free my heart. Verse 38. God is feared. And then it goes on and on and on. Studying God's word is like doing a treasure hunt in your own backyard. Discovering what is already yours in Christ. This Bible is packed full of treasure. It's got your name on it. And then the next one is experience His presence so that we can so you can see how these are kind of all work together so experience his presence daily bible study is not about looking for life lessons as much as it is craving a glimpse of god that satisfies our soul i'm going to invite the band up they're going to come on up as i finish up this last couple of things because i want us to sing that song that song that they sang it's just bad brings tears to my eyes i'm waiting for you i'm waiting for you god I'm waiting for you. When we study the Bible, when we pray, when you're doing in your personal time with God on a daily basis, when we come together corporately, man, there's a dynamic of God's presence that when we gather together that you're not going to experience on your own, though it's, it's sweet on your own, but it's not near as sweet as it is when you're hanging out with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so we're going to, this is how we're going to end. We're going to end by uh, singing that song and to experience His presence, obey and live out Scripture fully. Let me give you the last one. Because of a permanent change in our heart's character. So that's the change of values. So let me walk you through this. Prayerfully depend on the Holy Spirit to first study, analyze, and memorize Scripture, then to meditate on it until we take deep delight in our privileges I had a hot rod magazine here a couple of weeks ago. My dad's got a bunch of hot rods. He's got a tea bucket. And so there were some guys over and we were looking at it and I was showing them cars. I go, check this out. This was like my 59 Chevy truck that I had when I was in high school. And we're all like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And it had a it had the smaller back window. And oh, my goodness, that's really cool. And it didn't have big wheels. Yeah, it had big wheels. What are we doing? We're meditating. We're reflecting. We're worshiping. We do that anyway. And so when we do that with God's Word, that's what we're saying with when we say meditate. Meditate on it until we take deep delight in the privileges of God and experience His presence so that we can obey and live out Scripture fully because of a permanent change in our heart's character. One last quick illustration. My wife told me this. She went to a, a Girls of Grace conference, took a couple of young gals in our church, to this little conference that was this last weekend. She, she shared a story of a guy who knows the vice president of Starbucks. He absolutely loves Starbucks. And then, so the vice president of Starbucks gave him this little tumbler, really a nice little tumbler. And he goes, oh yeah, from the vice president, big deal. Little tumbler. I've got a lot of these and I like Starbucks. And so he set it on the counter and about a month later his wife picked it up and I guess she was going to wash it or put it up in the cabinet and she looked at it and then she began to read it and she goes, did you, did you know what was on this uh, tumbler? And he goes, no, I had no idea. On this Tumblr, in fact, I wrote it down, what he exactly said. It was good for a free cup of coffee of your choice every day for the month of January. Of course, you know, I'm a, I'm a coffee guy. So when my wife told me that, I'm like, what? That knucklehead? A f- your, your coffee, the coffee of your choice, like a caramel macchiato, the the big venti with four shots in there, baby, every day of the month. That's crazy. Guess what? We kind of do that with God's Word. Oh, yeah, that's God's Word. That's God's Word. We start getting into it. We realize, wow, every day, every day of our life, there's treasure for us to experience and to know in Him. Stand with us as we sing this song. This is how we're going to wrap it up this morning. Just spend some time. What is God speaking to you this morning? Spend just a these last few moments together, just waiting on him. I just pray that you begin to see him more clearly and are captivated by his beauty and glory. That's what will stir up your appetite to get into his word. God bless you.